Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to GigPod, the Glasgow's Green Podcast, episode 137. That's a lot of podcasts. I'm your host for this week's episode, Rizzo, and I'm joined by my old pal Spunkphone. How you doing, mate? Not bad at all, John. Not bad. Just about recovered from the uh, madness at Tynecastle yesterday. And um, as always, looking forward to chatting everything Celtic with your good self. Thank you, Bill. Yes, we're reunited after another... Interesting Celtic Hearts game at Tynecastle, of course, we memorably did that podcast away back in June, July 2021, and just first game in charge, we lost 2-1, and thankfully yesterday it was a much different outcome, but we won, we won a seven-goal epic, a remarkable game, which featured Lawrence Shanklin scoring a hat-trick, which was odd enough in itself, and good old Greg Taylor scored his first ever league goal for Celtic, and... As we all predicted, the good old VAR get involved. We'll talk about that now, in fact. But, Spunkphone, what did you make of the team that was selected by Ange? Were you surprised with any selections? Um, not overly so, to be honest. Um, I think it'd be easy here to sit here in hindsight and say one or two players maybe didn't have the best game and so-and-so should have started ahead of them. But barring um, Aksibanovic, who was obviously on the on the bench, it was more or less the same team that had started against Hibs last weekend. We obviously had the game in midweek, and then we've got another one coming up on uh, on Tuesday. So, and I suppose, unlike this time last year, it's got a much um, bigger uh, squad at his disposal with, with much more quality as well. So he's obviously looking to, to utilise that as much as possible. So... No, I wasn't overly surprised with the team. As I say, it was just more more kind of rotation, and and given the 
number of games we've got between now and the, the break at the end of November. I'm not surprised, to be honest, that the, the manager was rotating a bit yesterday. Yep, the manager has been rotating the team fairly regularly with all these games we've been playing. It's a pretty ridiculous schedule. I mean, we've still got plenty of games to play before the break for the World Cup next month. So, on the game itself, and we took the league relatively early on in the game, James Forrest, he just can't stop scoring. That's four goals in three games for him. It was in the right place at the right time. Anthony Ralston, we won his trademark good balls into the box, took a deflection. Craig, brilliant goalkeeper, Gordon, maybe could have done a wee bit better. And Forrest was there to head it into the empty net. And that was a perfect start. That was after 14 minutes. And then, seven minutes later, it was the first of many intriguing decisions involving Nick Walsh and VAR. Now, we don't want to talk about referees, but the referee and VAR were both crap yesterday. After 21 minutes, Alphony Ralston with a bullet diving header that gave Craig Gordon no chance. But no, it was disallowed because of a foul spotted by the referee. But then we had to wait absolutely ages in the referee and VAR checking if a decision was correct or no. And when we also saw the replays, it didn't look correct. I mean, I think it was apparently for a a pull on the shirt or a tug and a heart's plus shot by Jack Amakis, I think. But it was the first uh, some interesting decisions that VAR and the referee combined to make. What did you make of that decision, Spunk? I, just, I was just completely bemused why that goal was disallowed. I'm, I'm much the same as yourself, John. Um, all I can imagine in, in terms of when it went to obviously the VAR check was... How quickly the referee blew his whistle. I think he'd done so before the ball had hit the back of the net. So I, I don't think there was any obvious foul there. I know the Hearts player in, in Yakimakis, there was a wee bit of grappling. He then basically throws himself to the ground, I think, looking for the free kick. But no, to me, it looked like it was a, a perfectly good goal. And um, as I said, I, th- I think the issue basically was the referee's blown his whistle that quickly that it's before the ball's hit the net. And, and when they've had that VAR check after it, which was utterly pointless for you know two two and a half minutes whatever it was that's obviously why they've not been able to reverse the decision so um it's all well and good having var but when you've got officials not utilizing it correctly um that's the end result but what can you do from what i have read and maybe i've picked this up wrong that the referee can't change the decision or var can't change the decision if it's like a foul the referee's already given apparently maybe i've got that wrong so that Delay was for absolutely nothing. Whatever they were just looking bemused. The referee didn't know what to do. I mean, they didn't show umpteen replays like they do all the time for the English games. I mean, and we know that Sky don't get a crap about Scottish football. But I mean, if you look at that Newcastle Tottenham game that we just done, any conscientious decision, and there was one when Newcastle scored, they showed about 30 replays. Okay, maybe an exaggeration, but loads. And then in that game yesterday, they showed hardly any. And the other problem is, all, nearly all these, all these grounds, I think, in the Premier League have got big screens so that everybody can see what's happening. I think only Celtic Rangers and Hibs have got big screens in the Premier League, so it's, it's, it's just, I don't know what's going to happen when it's a big game, like when we play the Angels, or even like in a semi-final or a cup final, it's just going to be chaos, I imagine. So, no long after that, we hadn't really played that well, we Hearts had actually had, despite that goal being disallowed when we should have been turned up, we hadn't really played that well. Hearts had been getting plenty of possession, and they got, thanks to VAR, awarded a penalty just before half time. It was a foul by Cameron Carter Vickers on Cammy Devlin, 
Originally, the referee didn't give the penalty, interestingly enough. One or two interesting penalty decisions he made in the game. He didn't give the penalty. And then, of course, it took them absolutely ages and VAR to tell the referee what to look at. Well, everybody would just stand there about. And then he eventually walked over to the monitor in the side of the pitch and awarded the penalty. Now, I can see why he gave the penalty, but I can see why he made the original decision not to give the penalty. So, do you think it was a penalty or not? It, it looked as though it, it probably was a, a penalty kick, but again, my issue with it is the amount of time it took him to go over and check that. You know, they're meant to be clear and obvious decisions that, that Vars there to kind of iron out and assist the referee with, but I think when you saw it back, particularly in sports scene, and it showed the, the kind of angle that Nick Walsh had of the incident, um, it was pretty much straight on with it. No one was really obstructing his view, so... It's like any penalty decision, really. It's subjective, and as I say, if it's taking them that amount of time to check it, then it, it can't really be as clear and obvious to the officials anyway. But I, I think, all in all, they probably got the call right. It was, again, my issue with it was how long they, they took to come to that decision. Right, and no long after that, just before halftime, we'd, I think, probably the worst decision in the game involving VAR and Nick Walsh. When Michael Smith, Hearts defender, handballed in the box, it looked a Stick on penalty, a cast iron handball, even the way he reacted, the way he put his hand behind his back, he was like, I'll give away a penalty here. But the referee didn't give it. And then the VAR check, after it took about an hour, looking at the Hearts penalty, it like looked at the Celtic one hardly any time. And everybody went mad. Even a level-headed guy like me was forced to write a, a regrettable tweet about it. But... Uh, I thought that was a terrible decision. And then in a group chat I'm in, where unfortunately I'm the only Celtic fan, uh, some Rangers fan found a tweet where somebody said that actually that was the correct decision because of the, the way his arm was shaped or moved towards the ball or something. And it was actually the commentators at fault for not explaining that to the to the people watching the game. Because, I mean, Andy Walker, who kids on is not a Celtic fan, even he thought it was a penalty. And I just thought that was a horrendous decision. It was a penalty every day of the week, and the, the biggest problem with that wasn't that he didn't give the penalty, because referees are rubbish, it was the fact that VAR spent so long looking at the Carter Vickers penalty, and it spent so little time looking at the handball, I mean, we don't want them to spend ages looking at it, but I mean, don't dismiss it just like that, when it seemed like an obvious penalty, to me, I thought it was 100% a penalty, and I can't believe, and after such a brilliant game, we're spending so long talking about the referee, thankfully we will concentrate on the players in a minute, and a great setting half performance, but that looked to me like a stick on penalty spunk one. I think Andrew's reaction really um, tell you everything you needed to know. To be fair, he's normally got that sort of poker face on the the touchline, but he just burst out laughing at how ludicrous a decision it was. Um, as you say, for them to go two, two and a half, three minutes, however long it was, checking that Hearts penalty, and then. Within 10, 15 seconds of, of the Celtic shout, it was a case of, oh no, it's, it's it's not a penalty kick, play on. To me, looking back at it, and I've seen it back a couple of times, um, Michael Smith, is he brings his hand towards the ball. It, it's as clear and obvious as you're going to see, but it, it, it's it's one of the things. It was obviously before the weekend, Ange was saying he'd be the happiest man in Scotland if, if we didn't need to use VR this week and if we had a a smooth week, if, if any point it was used, it was used correctly, they were coming to decisions as, as quickly as possible, but it just wasn't the case yesterday. People say it's teething issues and all this sort of thing, but 
the reason they've introduced it now and, and not the start of the season three months ago was to try and iron out these issues to make sure that it was ready to go. But as, as we saw yesterday, clearly um, those issues haven't been ironed out. But to me, it was an absolute stick on. And, and as you say, it's a shame that we're wasting time talking about these decisions um, as opposed to, to obviously the, the players yesterday and their brilliant performance. But it was just another ridiculous call. Uh, it was very poor refereeing by, him, by Nick Walsh in the first place. I mean, no given the hearts penalty, I suppose, and no given that handball. But on the second half, and the second, if you thought the first half was interesting, the second half was just ridiculous. I mean, five goals, or four goals in 18 minutes. Hearts took the lead after Lawrence Shatland scored again for close range. They'd have checked for offside, and he was just onside. It was pretty poor play by us to give the ball away. Burnley by had a poor game in general, I'd say, and he had done better for the goal, and Gents and Carl Rickham weren't great exactly either. But that prompted us to play probably our best football of the game. A brilliant move ended with Aaron Moy somehow missing a sitter when he had the entire goal to aim for. And when he missed that sitter, I thought, it's got to be one of these days, isn't it? But thankfully we bounced back. Moy made up for that sort of with a brilliant corner. And Gigi was there with a glancing header. He hadn't done a lot of the whole in that game before then. Probably because the referee had filled him practically every time he challenged for the ball. But his glancing header made it two each. And then five minutes later, it was 3-2. And it was the great Craig Gordon, our favourite guy, who was partly at fault for the goal. Aaron Moy was involved again. His shot was saved by Gordon. And DM Dyson, the great guy, who's finally getting back in good form, was setting goal in two games with a good finish. And we're 3-2 ahead. Spunk phone, what about the goals? GG with a typical header. And Dyson... Is he finally getting back to his best? We've talked about him a lot in the podcast, and me and Stevie both thought he should have been left at the team for a bit. But we know the manager loves him, and he's paid off, really, because that was a big goal for us. It's actually a brilliant finish, especially when you see it back, John, because he, he's obviously sliding in there trying to get there ahead of Craig Gordon. But he hits it into the ground over the goalkeeper and, and then in. So he actually he took that brilliantly, to be honest. Jackie Marcus, I know basically that. A free header, but to, again, to glance it back across the goalkeeper. Craig Gordon, that wonderful guy, um, was a, a really outstanding goal. Just touching on the one that we'd obviously lost just before that, I don't want to be too negative, but as you say, I thought Bernabe didn't have his, his greatest game yesterday. He just sort of allows that cross ball to come in and then um, Shanklin gets a, an easy run basically across the, the six-yard box. So that was a, a poor goal to, to lose, but I suppose the positive is how we reacted to that. I know we'll obviously come on to third heart school, which I think came two or three minutes after Dyson's, but we did react and obviously went three to ahead fairly fairly quickly. And um as I say, I thought Yaki Marcus with that cleansing header and then Dyson to, to have the kind of presence of mind to, to go back across the goalkeeper and hit it into the ground. I thought they were two really good goals and, and fingers crossed he's now back to his best um, and, and firing again because um, he'd been through obviously a difficult spell. There was a lot of negativity about him um, over the kind of past few weeks, months even, but he's, he's been really impressive I think in his last few games for us now, so fingers crossed that's him, back to his best. Right, more VAR insanity and unbelievably Hearts were awarded a second penalty and it was a penalty unfortunately. Moritz James, who I think struggled and didn't have the best game, he fouled Camel Devlin in the box Okay, that was a penalty. But then then it was the VAR show. So Shanklin took the penalty. 
Joe Hart on a brilliant save. We were too slow reacting, and uh, Josh Janelli made it three each. But it had to be retaken because a couple of Celtic players and a couple of Hearts players had encroached. So Shatlin retook the penalty and he scored. And I can't remember the last time that a penalty had to be retaken for encroachment. I mean, are we going to get that every game now? I don't know. I hope no. But Celtic finally won the game. One and goal. It was another good move. Aaron Moy was involved again. If it hadn't been for, for the missing that setter, he'd had a brilliant game and he still had a good game. This time his pass was to Leela Bada. His shot was saved. And who stole in like a true striker or a time midfielder should? Yes, Greg Taylor. Greg Taylor was his first league goal for Celtic. He forced it over the line and went ballistic, understandably. And he deserved that goal because... Craig Taylor has been exceptional for Celtic this season. He's a more, most improved player by a mile. I mean, I know Burnaby's just here, and I thought he played well last week against Hibs, but if you compare him and Greg Taylor yesterday, Greg Taylor is the now our number one left back. And he's a real fan's favourite now. And I mean, I know a lot of people were not keen on him because he signed for Kilmarnock, and we paid quite a lot of money for him, and he was having to fall on the footsteps of Kieran Tierney, who was a, a brilliant left back for us. And his performances have been up and down, especially in the COVID season, but everybody's performances were crap. But if ever there's a player that's really exemplified what Ange has done at Celtic over the last year and a bit, it's Greg Taylor. He's one of the first names in the team sheets now, I'd say. For any big game, I'd be more than happy with him starting. And that just shows what Ange balls are about, that a left-back is in the right place at the right time to score the winning goal at Tynecastle. What's Nothing more than Greg Taylor deserves, I'd say. He's been fantastic for us. He's been terrific, John. I mean, everything you say there is right. The, the improvement in his game compared to, you know, 18 months ago when, when Ange first came in, it's it's night and day. He is now a fan's favourite. I, I agree with you. would be one of the first names on my team sheet as well. And, and I don't want to turn it into some ridiculous contest between him and Burnaby where you've basically got to pick one or the other. Because I know I dig, dig Burnaby out Earlier on, I didn't think he had his best game, albeit I thought last week against Hibs he was brilliant. And even up in Perth, I thought he had a, a good game against St. Johnston a couple of weeks prior as well. But Greg Taylor, for me, has got to be the, the, the first choice left back at the moment. I'd, I'd go even a step further and say, I know there's been shouts for Hakati and one or two others, but for me right now, I think Greg Taylor's been arguably player of the year so far. The improvement in his game is just unbelievable. And for a guy that doesn't score... Many goals. Um, it was great to see him obviously get one yesterday and a, an important one at that as well. But it's nothing less than he deserves because I say his performances under Ange um, since he's came in and, and particularly this season have just been phenomenal. So it's it's a credit to him, the manager, coaching staff as well, the improvement in his game. And um, as you say, it really does sum up what the, the football we play is all about your left back in around the, the six yard box to steam in and score the winner. But um yeah, I, I I'm running out of stuff to say about Taylor to be honest. I just think he's been been fantastic this season, so fair play to him. That was the winning goal, but we could have got a fifth in injury time, I think, or just before injury time, but Leela Bada went through and scored. But good old Varda allowed it and it looked very, very close. And of course, Sky didn't show a replay. On the highlights, on the highlights on the SPFL YouTube channel, they've got the replay where it shows you the lines and it shows you that a bad is just offside. But I mean, Sky didn't show that, and I know we don't like to complain in this podcast. Really, we don't. But 
Sky were rubbish yesterday, the way they handled VAR. I mean, even going on about how it's just teething problems, tee hee hee. The way that the way VAR was handled yesterday was crap. And I'm, as I pity that so much of this podcast has ended up being talking about VAR when we should be talking about a, a brilliant seven goal win at Tynecastle or Celtic dug out another win, but we won at our best. And we've increased our lead at the top of the table with four points ahead after good old David Martindale, who would never criticise Livingston, hilariously drew one each at Ibrox yesterday. So, I mean, hopefully when we do the pod next week after the Livingston game, we're not talking about VAR endlessly, but we probably will be. So, I think that's just what we'll need to get used to until they finally sort out how to do it the way England does. It's still no great there in England, but I mean, they're much better at it than we are up here. So, Spunkphone, how big a win do you think that could be? Especially coupled with Rangers' hilarious draw yesterday. I mean, the way we, the way we managed to come back, without playing well, and Hearts always raise our game for us. It's just the way it goes. I mean, it's never an easy place for us to go. Last season, the two games were 2-1, both games, one goal on it. So, how big a win do you think that could be in the, the context of this season? Well, I think it'll be massive. Um, as you say, going to Tidecastle is never easy. Hearts to always... Up at a, a gear or two when they, they come up against us, particularly at Tynecastle, and I know they've been on a pretty terrible run recently. I think it's I think it's maybe only four wins they've got in the last fifteen or, or something like that, which is crazy. Um, I know they've obviously had the the games in Europe. I guess you've got to take that into consideration, but um, I, I think it'll be a massive win. And as you say, coupled with Rangers dropping points yesterday as well. For it to go from essentially us being two one down in that game, then a three all, um, it'd be easy for the players to think, well, there's been one or two, you know, questionable calls of VR. It'd be easy for them to feel sorry for themselves and think, oh, it's not our day. But credit to them because they they dug out three massive points and and three points that were even bigger than you thought they would have been at the time with Livingston obviously going on to get a, a point at Ibrox, which is uh, a nice wee, nice wee Brucey bonus, John. It's it's the old cliche, but it's that's what champions do, isn't it? They, they grind out results and they're not at their best, and, and that's what we've done yesterday. Aye, we could have felt sorry for ourselves with the ridiculous decisions, but we didn't. They were just dusted ourselves down, gone with it, and pulled off a great win. I mean, it's like the, the two sides of Celtic in the, the past week were able to hammer teams and play free-flowing football that we did it against Hibs and Motherwell. And I thought we played some great football as well at times at Tynecastle. I mean, but we weren't at our best and we needed to dig out the win. And that's what we've done. And we're four points clear and kind of complain about that. But there isn't a lot of time to dwell on the fact that we're four points clear in the league. Because the Champions League's back and we're in action at Celtic Park on Tuesday against Shakhtar Donetsk. And it's a must-win game, really. Because if we've to have any hope of getting European football in the Europa League after after Christmas when they win the game. And it'll be a tough game. Shakhtar, we should have beat them when we played them in Poland in that first game. But unfortunately, missed too many chances and drew. But Shakhtar did, of course, get a draw against Madrid in the last game. They are still well in the hunt for getting in the for making the last 16. I mean, they've got, if we look at the table, Group F, Real Madrid have got 10 points. They've qualified just about, or practically qualified. In fact, they have, I think. Leipzig have got six. Shakhtar have got five, and we've only got one. So if we win, we'd be one point behind Shakhtar. We are a game, we are a game to go, and it'd be them against Leipzig in a all-or-nothing game, and we'd need a draw against Madrid and Spain to try and salvage our hopes of European football. 
But I don't think it'll be an easy game. What are your opinions in the game, Spunkphone? How what changes do you think to the Ange might make from the team that was picked at Tynecastle? I think there'll obviously be a few changes for the the team yesterday. As I said at the, the start, I thought that was obviously a bit of rotation at play in in terms of obviously the the start of having yesterday. You're right. I mean, Chaktan are no mugs. We we thought we went over and played them in Poland. Rightly, I think that we should have won the game. As you say, it's a must-win, obviously, if you want to keep any uh, hopes alive of, of European football after Christmas. Um, I don't know, it's a tough one to call, to be honest. I think if we turn up on the night, really what all we're waiting for is, is just one or two lucky breaks and, and for us to be a bit more clinical in, in Europe because I know it was obviously a big thing um, after the, the Leipzig defeat at home when Anne said that he, he didn't think we'd looked out of place. I know that obviously drew one or two bits of criticism, basically, from the media or from certain people, given the fact that we're currently bottom of the group with one point. But he's he's right, and, and it's just a case of taking opportunities and one or two lucky breaks. That's what we've been shot of at this, this level this season. So who knows, it could all go right for us on Tuesday night, and, and we could finally get what I feel we deserve um, in this group, which is to be off the mark with a victory. But we'll wait and see, John. As I say, it's a, a difficult one to call. I would imagine that Kyogo will be back in the team, even though Gigi has been scoring goals. We know that Ange likes Kyogo a lot. It wouldn't shock me if Abada was back in the team or Jota, if they're fit, if he's fit. I think James Forrest might be on the bench. I think maybe two games starting a week might be a bit difficult for him. I wouldn't be shocked to see him against Livingston next week. He did score there last season, don't forget. And I wouldn't be surprised to see JJ back at right back as well. I mean... I thought Ralston did well for the goal yesterday, but I think his all-round performance was a bit uh, ropey at times. And I think I don't think JJ's been great this season. Me and Stevie have talked about that in the pod this season, but I think maybe he'll get the nod. I would doubt that we're going to finish third in the group. I would be surprised if we managed to get a draw at Madrid. I just think that even if Madrid have qualified, they'll probably just have better players in the day the night he beat us. But I think for the team's confidence and for money as well, I think we get £2 million for every Champions League win. I think winning the game would be a big deal for us. It would show that this select team are making progress in Europe to an extent because, okay, we've played well, I'd say, in most of the Champions League games and we have been unlucky. At spells, we've been naive as well. But we haven't got that win. And we don't want to be looking back when the Champions League's finished in a few weeks with completely 100% regrets. We at least want to finish the campaign at home with a win. I mean, Celtic Park used to be so difficult for teams to come and play in Europe. Nowadays, it's like a party for them. They come and patronise us, tell us how great the atmosphere is. The fans come over and tell us how great we are, and then they inevitably beat us. So, I mean, if we play the way we played in the first game against Shakhtar, we should beat them. But then you don't know. You kind of tell with Southern Europe. You kind of tell with Shakhtar because I know Leipzig were a shambles when they played them and they sacked their manager after that game. But I just I fail to see how they, how they managed to win 4-1 in Germany. It just I don't think I'll ever be able to work out that result. And they got a draw against Madrid as well. I mean, Madrid might not have been that first, but they were settings away for getting a win against Madrid. Madrid needed an injury time equaliser, so... They're no mugs, so I mean, if we don't win, people shouldn't freak out to an extent. But I mean, but I will understand if people are disappointed if we don't win. So, Spunk, when we always do shoot predictions for the next game, 
I'll let you go first because you're the guest. What's your shoot prediction for Celtic versus Shakhtar on Tuesday night? Well, I was, I was a bit on the fence there, obviously, when I was asked, John. Um, as I say, I think it, it is a difficult one to call and it could go either way. But I, I just think when you look at how we've actually performed in the four games, we've been really unfortunate to only have one point from 12. So I'm going to be positive. I'm going to go for us to break this kind of duck that we're on, end this ridiculous run of, of not winning Champions League group stage games at home as well, which I think stretches back way longer than I care to remember. Um, and I'm going to go for Celtic to win 2-1 on Tuesday night. Um, as I say, I, I think it will be a, a close game, but if we play as well as we have in the last four games, if we take our chances and, and ultimately if we get a, a bit of rub of the green, which you need at this level, yeah, I, I, I think we can get a result on uh, on Tuesday night. So I'll go with 2-1 to Celtic. What about yourself? Unbelievably enough, even. I'm going for 2-1 Celtic as well. I just think that we'll finally get the, the overdue win. And it's too late to keep us in the Champions League this season. But it would show progression. And it would it would set up I mean, it would make the, the Real Madrid game important. It would give us something to play for. I mean, it would be crap going over to Madrid with nothing at all to play for. I mean, okay, in a perfect world we'd be going over to try and get the point we need to, to finish second, but that's no happening. And our first game against Real Madrid since like nineteen eighty or something, it would be disappointing to say the least if it was meaningless. So that's no reason we need to try and get the win. So we've got something to play for in Madrid. And here's hoping we do get the win. So, Spunk Phone, thanks very much for joining us in this episode. It's a pleasure as always, John. Right, so we'll actually be back on Wednesday or Thursday with a review of the Shakhtar game. And we'll be paying tribute to Shinsuke Nakamura, a Celtic legend, a favourite of ours in Gigpod, who unbelievably retired only this weekend. What a career he had. Finished at Celtic in 2009 and played football for another 13 years. And we'll be talking about some of his best moments at Celtic. And me and Stevie will be picking our top three Shinsuke Nakamura Celtic Celtic moments. And there's many to choose from, including in the Champions League. He was a, a great Celtic player of the 2000s. So there's something you look forward to on the next episode of Gig Pod, which will be out later this week. So... Thanks to Spunkphone for being on. You know where to get us by now on the usual podcast platforms. You can give us great reviews, leave us five stars, tell us how sensational and fantastic we are. You can follow Stevie on and, Gigpod, and Spunkphone at times on Twitter and Instagram at Gigpod, where people will no doubt lose the plot over tweets and Instagram posts, as usual, they always do. But that's social media for you. So... We'll be back later in the week with a review of the Shakhtar game and a special tribute to Nakamura, one of Celtic's greatest players in the last 25 years. And we'll speak to you all soon. Thanks everybody for listening and hail hail. Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.